0: Well, good morning, everyone. Make your way in. Find a seat if you can find one. Just kidding. You guys are really intrepid or foolhardy. I'm not sure which, but it's so good to see you all here. Glad you could make it. I'm sure many, many more of you are online. We welcome you to our service as well on this beautiful, snowy, wintry morning. Um, So... I want to ask you how you are at waiting you like to wait then nobody likes to wait I confess I don't like to wait especially for things like standing in line to pay somebody for something or waiting for customer service or on the phone for technical support when your computer is not working I don't like waiting uh, for longer things maybe not so much um, those of you who have been waiting for months for winter to arrive, your wait is over. Um, those of you who are waiting for summer to arrive, let's not go there. Um, what about things that you have to wait for years for? Something, some dream that you have, you're waiting for somebody, uh, To change or to do something or to stop doing something or um, what about waiting for Jesus to come back that's years for the church it's been centuries and at this Advent season we are looking at the fact that people have been waiting for the anointed one Emmanuel God with us for thousands of years. And he came once and there was a long wait for that. Um, people, in, when Jesus came, had been under various occupiers for generations and generations and they had been just crying out and waiting for God to send the Messiah that was promised. And now we have been waiting and waiting for millennia for Jesus to come back and set things really to right. So... We are waiting. We are always waiting. And this Advent season is a time when we focus on that waiting and also focus on the fact that it is a sure thing that we're waiting for. So that should give us hope. So if you can, would you stand with us and let us um, sing together of Waiting for Emmanuel. Son to redeem the world, and will send him again to be our judge. Give us grace so to imitate him in the humility and purity of his first coming, that when he comes again, we may be ready to greet him with joyful love and firm faith through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated.
1: Entering into our second week of Advent as we prepare our hearts and our minds to celebrate the coming of our Savior at Christmas, as we've been going through this season, we're talking a lot about waiting, as Eric said this morning, and we kind of reflect on what it must have been like for the people of the Old Testament to wait for the coming of the Savior, but to help them in kind of the process of that waiting, God gave them a word of encouragement here and there throughout the Old Testament, and we hear one of those passages this morning.
2: In Isaiah 9, we read, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness forever, from that time on and forever. These verses remind us that the Savior is the Prince of Peace. Today we light the second Advent candle, the candle of peace.
1: Thank you for the chance to remember and reflect on all you've done for us in Jesus through this season of Advent, how you sent your Son to make possible both peace between men and also peace with you. Through Jesus, you forgive our sins and you turn us from your enemies into your friends. You bring us peace that we cannot earn on our own. We praise you for that. Christ in Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. Two weeks in a row we've had some kind of weather on a Sunday morning, so we thankfully you're here. You've made it with us. Those of you who are watching online, we thank you for tuning in and um, being with us in that way as we kind of yeah, deal with this weather that we're experiencing this morning. If you're you're new or you're visiting, my name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here at Three Lake Evangelical Free Church. At the church, we want to be really about three things. About reaching people with the gospel, growing to be like Christ, and serving others. So those are kind of the three things we want to be about at the church. And as we enter and walk through this Advent season together, there's way for us to do each of those things. So when it comes to reaching people with the gospel. like This season is kind of a natural time when we have a little opportunity to talk to our friends and neighbors about, about church, about Jesus, and what He's done for us, and why we celebrate Christmas. It's also a time when people maybe are more inclined to accept an invitation to come to church. and So I just encourage you to be actively engaged with your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, seeking to reach them with the gospel. When it comes to growing to be like Christ, we have all kinds of opportunities in this season to grow to be like Christ. There are a few that I mentioned that are in your bulletin. So next Sunday from 3 to 4, Eric going to lead us in a, a hymn sing, an old-fashioned hymn sing, just a chance to sing some of those rich hymns of the faith that speak of so much the greatness of Christ. It's a chance to just kind of remind our heart and fill our heart with truths um, from from God's Word and from those hymns. And also, uh, on Thursday, December 16th, we'll, there will be the, our December Common Ground Gathering for the women of the church. And so it's another chance to just grow, to be in fellowship with fellow women. So we invite women of the church to be, be a part of that. A couple other things to bring to your attention. The so next Sunday following the Sunday school hour, uh, we will have our, our congregational meeting. Hopefully we'll have a little bit better weather for that. Um, we just invite you to, to come and be a part of that meeting, especially if you're a member. Uh, just hear some updates about the church. We'll vote on new members we want you to be just informed and a part of that. And just kind of gather together as God's people and to hear about what God's doing in the life of the church. Then on the 19th, we'll have our, our children's program during the Sunday school hour, so we'd invite you to be the part of that as well. And just kind of one note, even as I'm saying all these things, I'm kind of struck by like how busy life can get during this season. And so just kind of an encouragement to you, right? It's like just guard your heart, guard your soul during this season. Like the chance for you to reflect and to be drawn closer to Christ is like more valuable in this time than. Being at every event, doing everything, right? so even as like the church we promote stuff, like every event is not essential, right? So guard your heart, guard your soul during this time. like don't let the busyness of the season become a burden, but instead like, enjoy and delight in this season. Be wise in what you commit to during this time. That's kind of my, my encouragement to you as you walk through, this season together. I know some things are unavoidable, but as much as you can, I just guard your time that this can be a joyful and peaceful time for you. With all that in mind, would you pray with me once again? Father, we come this morning... We want to calm our heart, calm our minds, and let You be at work in and through us. So would You do that? Would You quiet our heart in this busy season, during this busy time? We can right now, this morning, come before You. We can sing. We can hear Your Word. We can just be amazed by what a great God you are. What an amazing Savior you've given us in Jesus. God, be at work in each of us this morning. Even if this week we focus on peace in Advent. That you give us that peace, Would it not be some concept we speak of with our mouths, while our hearts and our minds are busy within us. But do we find real peace this morning, both in our worries, kind of floating away, but also just in any conflict maybe going on in our lives? But you help us to find peace this morning and we pray for the people in our church who are hurting who maybe this season brings up painful memories would you give them comfort and peace Yeah. would we above all would we come we be reminded how much we need Jesus do we not take Christmas and his coming for granted but would we reflect deeply on how badly we need Jesus and how great a gift he was pray so in Jesus name Amen
0: Let's continue our worship by singing some more. If you would stand. Let's sing together.
2: You look upon
1: sight of your holiness, your majesty, your greatness. As we come before you, come to your word this morning, would we be struck by how holy and mighty and great you are. Praise God in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. One other announcement I didn't mention this morning is that after the Sunday school hour this morning, we're having what we're calling a pizza with the pastors. Pastor Ian and myself and our families will just be downstairs in the, in the kitchen or in the, the fellowship hall area. Um, we'll have pizza. We would love to just kind of spend time getting to know, especially those of you who are new or haven't been around here long or have, haven't got a chance to get to know us as well. Um, yeah feel free to join us for that. We think we have more than enough pizza based on who I know that's coming. So, yeah, if you want to hang around until after Sunday school hour and have pizza with us, we would love to have you join us for that. I don't know if you ever had a moment where like, someone has pointed out something to you that like, seemed super obvious after you knew it, but like blew your mind in the moment. Right. Like and so like it's become like the thing on the internet to say like I was today years old when da 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 and so like one it's like I was today years old when like I learned that people say break a leg when you're auditioning for something because the hope is you end up in a cast right like I, someone pointed that out to me and it blew my mind right. or like someone pointed out right, that the division symbol right, it's just like a fraction with dots where the numerator and the denominator would go. That's what division is. It's just like a glorified fraction. Right? Or like, I remember like very recently, I it was pointed out to me that if you change the W to a T in the word when, where, and what, you get the answer to that question. Right? So when becomes then. And where becomes there, and what becomes that? Right? So, like, you change the W to a T, you get the answer to your question. And I think someone pointed that out, and it blew my mind. But then it also got me wondering: like, Shouldn't the question form of these be "we's"? <laughs> uh, like, which "we's" is just like a much better word than "which"? Anyways, I don't know why we don't use. Wheeze instead of which, right? But we, we don't. Another another example, of like something that blew my mind recently was like I saw a sign, for a, a stump grinding service, and it was in that moment that it dawned on me that the task of like cutting down a tree, and the task of getting rid of the stump of that same tree are very different tasks. It's like some of you are like long-term North and you're like. Yeah, no duh, dummy. Like it's very different to cut down a tree and actually get rid of the stump. But look, I spent the last nine years before we moved here living in either like Louisville or Minneapolis, and so like I took a little like city in my blood that hasn't worked its way out. Yeah, like there's things I haven't learned yet that every good like woodsor should know. And so like it should be like super obvious to me that cutting down a tree and removing its stump are two very different task. They required two very different tools, two very different skill sets, right? But it, it wasn't obvious for me. Anyway, I saw, this, I saw this sign and it got me thinking about like, why you would even need to have a stump removed from the ground. Right? Like the most obvious example is like stumps are just annoying to have around. Like, we have a stump in our yard and like every time I'm out mowing the lawn and I have to like carefully mow around this dumb thing, like it drives me crazy. But stumps are just annoying to have. But in addition to the stumps being annoying, I learned this week that there's another reason that people grind stumps. And that's because of this thing called stump sprouting. And again, you may be like, yeah, duh, because you're smarter than I am. But I didn't know about this thing called stump sprouting. And if you, if you like me, are kind of naive about it, like let me explain it to you. Like, and basically, like with some types of trees, like even if you cut it down to the stump, if the, if the root system is still intact, like a new tree will begin to grow out of that stump relatively quickly after you cut it down. It's a picture of it here. Like you cut down the tree, down to a stump, a new sprout comes out of that stump relatively quickly. And like, needless to say, like if you cut down the tree because you don't want a tree in that spot then having a new tree sprout up is relatively annoying. And so a stump like, still has the potential to produce like fresh growth, to produce life. And if you want to like, totally eliminate the chance of new growth, you need to grind that stump down to the level of the root. You need to break the root system. And I tell you all this, because the Bible often uses the imagery of a tree or plant life to describe God's people. So like last week, we looked at Genesis chapter three, fifteen. We read, like, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. But that word for offspring there is actually the Hebrew word for seed. And so from the very beginning, God's using this imagery of plant life, of seeds and growth of plants to describe what his people will be like. And so the Old Testament just continues this theme on and on, where people are seen as like seed. And so in Genesis 15, chapter 5, God tells Abraham, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. But again, that word offspring is literally the word seed. Right? So through, through Abraham, like the whole Old Testament, God is in the process of creating a people for himself. And he often speaks of that people as a plant or as a, a tree. And then when we come to the book of Isaiah, where we're going to spend our time this morning. And that tree that is God's people is at risk of being cut down. Because of the disobedience of the people of Israel, God has raised up an axe in the form of the nation of Assyria. And they are going to cut down God's people. Israel is going to be literally nothing more than a stump. Assyria Assyria is going to come, they are going to cut Israel down to a stump. But because... There is still a stump. There is still hope for Israel. Hope for new life to emerge. But just as it take time for a tree to grow back from a stump. It's going to take some time for God before God sends a new shoot from the stump of Israel. So it can be this long period of waiting from the time when Assyria comes and conquers Israel till the time that... A new shoot will emerge. It's going to be a time of, of chaos and judgment. And so this season of Advent that we're in right now, it's kind of all about waiting for that, that new shoot to emerge. It's about remembering what it was like for God's people to wait for God to keep His promises. Advent involves waiting for the One who will bring grace and peace in the midst of chaos and judgment. The people of Israel this morning, we're going to see, are in the midst of chaos and judgment. But God promises one who will bring grace and peace. But they will need to wait. And so to see what I mean, let's let's look at our passage this morning. We're in the book of Isaiah. We're going to read chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. We're going to look at kind of verses on either side of that passage. But I just want to read verses 1 through 10 of Isaiah chapter 11 this morning. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn there, otherwise the verses will be on the screen as well. That's what we read in Isaiah chapter 11, starting in verse 1. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed the bear. Their young will lie down. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like, an, like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand in the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and its resting place will be glorious. Like there's this message of hope here, that this this root will kind of shoot, uh, the shoot will come up from the root of Jesse, from the stump of Jesse. But to understand like why this matters so much, we first have to understand like what's going on in the rest of the Book of Isaiah as a whole. And so Isaiah shows up on the scene in the history of God people when things don't look great for Israel. God people have become divided into two nations. There's the northern nation of Israel. There's the southern nation nation of Judah. And like from the time that they've split into two nations, the southern nation of Judah has kind of had its ups and downs. It's had periods where it's kind of obeyed God closely to other times when it's disobeyed God. It's kind of been up and down. On the other hand, like the northern kingdom has been all down. They've been continually wicked since the time of the split of the nation. They've, had, they've continually rebelled against God, that they haven't trusted God to protect them. They made, they've made alliances with wicked nations, they've had wicked kings, and because of all that, God is set to judge them. He's set to, to punish their sins, and he's going to do it through this nation of Assyria. And this nation, Assyria, is a, a wicked nation full of wicked people and wicked practices. Right? If there's a, a nation you don't want to be conquered by, it is Assyria. Like Later, like the Babylonians will come and they'll conquer the southern kingdom. And when they do that, they're like relatively kind. Right? They, they take the people of God off into exile, but they let them live reasonably well in exile. They let them kind of maintain some of their practices but the Assyrians aren't like that. The Assyrians, when they conquer, they are out to wipe a nation out completely. And so the Israelites know all this. They've seen the Assyrian practices, and they see Assyria gaining power and threatening them. And they start to get a little bit nervous about the threat that Assyria poses. And so they decide they're going to form an alliance with another nation. But God tells them, no, don't do that. Just trust in me. I'll take care of you. I'll provide for you. I'm your protector. Don't form alliances with other nations. They have a a choice to make in that moment, and they choose that instead of trusting God, they're going to form an alliance with Syria. So they've formed this alliance with Syria against Assyria. because they didn't trust God, because they disobeyed. Now Isaiah shows up and he's prophesying that their alliance with Syria is not going to do them any good and that Assyria is going to come and they're going to keep going to, Assyria is going to conquer the northern kingdom of Israel. Their alliance with Syria will not save them. The only trusting in God could have saved them and they chose not to do that. And, it's, and Isaiah is very clear right? that God is the one who is doing this. Even though God is working through wicked Assyrians, this is God's work to judge the sin of Israel. Just hear these words from Isaiah. He says this right before our passage this morning. He says, But the people have not returned to Him who struck them, nor have they sought the Lord Almighty. So the Lord will cut off from Israel both head and tail, both palm branch and reed in a single day. The elders and the dignitaries are the head; the prophets who teach lies are the tail. Those who guide this people mislead them, and they are guided and led astray. Therefore, the Lord will take no pleasure in the young men, nor will He pity the fatherless and the widows, for everyone is ungodly and wicked. Every mouth speaks folly. As they had ten. Chapter 10, it's like all about this kind of judgment that's going to come on Israel because of their sin. That's like the bulk of the first part of the book of Isaiah. God's saying, Israel has sinned, they've turned away from me, and now they're going to get what they deserve. So just imagine what it must have been like to live in Israel during this time. Especially if you're trying to follow after God, right? You just look out at the world and you see like your leaders are disobeying God. People all around you are acting sinfully and selfishly. Like you're hearing these rumors of this ruthless, mighty nation preparing to invade your nation. Like needless to say this, it's not a happy time to be living in Israel. And Isaiah's message to Israel is not a happy message. It certainly doesn't seem like a very Christmassy message. So why are we preaching this as we lead up to Christmas? Right? It's like If you're reading Isaiah, and you get to chapter 9, so what we just read, like you read about all the judgment God's going to bring on Israel, like your first thought is not likely to be like, oh, I bet there's a Christmas passage coming up. Like it doesn't seem to fit in the context. So like, here's the thing. Like, we make a big deal out of Christmas. Christmas is a big deal. Right? But it only makes sense to make a big deal out of Christmas if Christmas solves a big problem. Right? And these verses, this verse about judgment in Isaiah, like, they're verses to help us see how big our problem is. He supposed to help us see that our sin is a big deal and it needs a big solution. It can become really easy for us, like as Christians, right, to, to bemoan how secular and kind of cultural Christmas has become. Like we have all these kind of woody little one-liners right? like, don't take Christ out of Christmas. And like, like, remember, like Jesus is the reason for the season. And like, yeah, that's all well and good. It's absolutely true. Jesus is the reason for the season. But I would argue we need to take even one step further back. Not only do we need to remember that Jesus is the reason for the season, but we also need to remember the reason we need Jesus. And the reason God sent Jesus, the reason we need Jesus is not first and foremost just so God can come and live with us. God didn't send Jesus first and foremost just so that he could be a good example of how we live, how to live a good life. God didn't send Jesus first and foremost to be a good religious teacher. No, like the reason Jesus is coming, the reason Advent matters, the reason it's such a big deal that Jesus is the only solution to our sin and brokenness. So until we see our sin and the world brokenness as a great problem that needs to be dealt with, we won't see Jesus as a great Savior. Until we see our sin as a big deal, we won't see Christmas as as big a deal as it should be. So, the so Israel obviously had a big sin problem. They had turned away from God. They had lived however they wanted. They had trusted a man rather than, rather than God. And because of that, they, they lived, Israel lived at that time in a broken world where God is going to judge them for their sins. But we have the same problem. We live in a broken world of chaos where judgment is coming. And I don't think it's really hard to convince us that our world is broken. Like, in the past couple of weeks, we've seen like the tragedy down in Waukesha. We've seen another school shooting. We've seen just all kinds of tragedy in our world. We live in a broken world. That broken world is a result of sin. But not only is our world broken, each one of us is in a constant battle with our own sin. Each of us individually is broken by our own sin. We all have this sin that lingers in us. And the holidays don't always help with that. Right? Like the holidays have this ability to cause sin to flare up even more in us. Right? As, as calendars fill up, as things get stressful, like it's easy for sin to rear its ugly head, or as we as we spend time with family, sometimes those interactions can cause sin to reveal itself in new and fresh ways. We all have this problem of sin that we're battling in, just like Israel did back in Isaiah's time. It can be tempting to be like, kind of downplay our own sin, like it's not a it's not a big deal, especially when we look at all the. Tragedy in the world, like, oh, my sin's not that bad. But the Bible is clear that our sin is a big deal. Like, every single sin we sin is a big deal, and it deserves judgment just as much as anything done in Israel during Isaiah's time. And so, we, just like the Israelites, live in this time of chaos where the world is broken. And we live at a time when God has promised that one day He will come and He will judge sin. And that can be hard news. It can be like bad news. It's not the kind of joyful message we want to hear at Christmas. But we need to have a clear picture of our darkness and our sin and our brokenness if we're going to appreciate the light of what comes next. And it's right after this passage of judgment and condemnation that we find Isaiah's message of hope that we read a bit earlier. This message of grace and peace. Isaiah 11 is this message that says that even though Israel has sinned, God is going to save a remnant of Israel for Himself. A God people will not be fully destroyed, not be fully wiped out. Right? I say gonna come like an axe and they're gonna chop down the people of Israel, but they're gonna leave the stump. And from that stump a shoot will come up. New life will emerge. And that new shoot that comes up from the root of the people of Israel is gonna do something like altogether special and unique. Just listen to these words from Isaiah again. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The Spirit of counsel and of might. The Spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And that in short, this new shoot will be all the things that the original tree, Israel, failed to be. Like when Israel was unwise by making treaties with other nations, this new shoot will, be, will have the spirit of wisdom resting on him. Whereas Israel feared the Assyrians rather than the Lord, this new shoot will delight in the fear of the Lord. And the results of this new shoot, having the Spirit of the Lord resting on him, are astounding. Listen again to verses 6 through 8. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed the bear, feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put its hand in the viper's nest. Like the picture of these first is a picture of incredible peace. Like the wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The cow will feed with the bear. Like you don't have to be a wildlife expert to know like, that's not typically how things happen. Whereas Israel, through their sin, had brought chaos and destruction and judgment. This new shoot will usher in an era of incredible peace. That peace gets even better than what we just read. Because Israel, the old tree, they were primarily concerned, even in their best moments, They are mostly concerned with their little strip of land in the Middle East. But this new shoot has a far grander vision for his peace. Verse 9 says, They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples, the nations, will rally to Him. And His resting place will be glorious. Through this, through this new shoot, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as waters cover the sea. And that's been the mission God's been giving to people like, back since the beginning. Adam and Eve are charged with the task of filling the earth and subduing it. And because they were image-bearers, because their children were image-bearers, the idea was that as they filled the earth, that the earth would be filled with the reflected glory of God from His image-bearers. And then Israel was given a similar task. Like, yes, God gave them this specific plot of land in the Middle East. But God's hope for them, God's goal for them, was never to become like, inwardly focused and to only worry about themselves. Instead, of Israel put to be this, this shining beacon of what it looked like to live with God as your king. They were put to invite other nations to make God their ultimate king. That the earth could be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. But Adam and Eve failed to fill the earth with the knowledge of the Lord because of their sin. The nation of Israel failed to fill the earth with the knowledge of the Lord because of their sin. But this new shoot that Isaiah promises here will not fail. He will usher in an era where there is incredible peace and the earth is filled with the knowledge of the Lord. We didn't read this, but in verse verse 12, it goes on to say, He, that is the new shoot, will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of four quarter the earth. So like not only is this new shoot concerned with the people of Israel and the people of Judah, this new shoot is concerned with gathering people from all nations. Now just Think about like what is being said here. This the shoot. Gathering people from, from all nations and he's knitting them together as a people who live in perfect peace with one another. Like and it's so ingrained in us, we're so so natural for us to be tribal, right? to be to be territorial, to fight with the people who don't belong in our group. And we choose our side and we fight the other side. I've been listening to this series of science fiction books lately. And in this series, like the humans discover a new planet. And so they set out a group to go live on this new planet. Like there's this fresh start for all humanity. Like this little group of people going to go live on this new planet, make a fresh start for everyone. And yet almost immediately, as soon as they land on this new planet, the group split into two factions and they're fighting one another. And at one point, one of the characters in the book makes the statement. Like, We've exported the worst of what makes us human to this new planet. Like, the idea being that like, even presented with a chance to start over fresh, to start over in a brand new world, that like, there's something in us that just causes us to devolve into tribalism and infighting almost immediately, we see this all the time in our world today, right? Thanks to the influence of media, there's often like a pressure like to pick a side on every single little issue. No matter how little you may know, like you have to pick a side and then you have to declare that everyone on the other side is either a moron or a villain. There's no room for middle ground. Pick a side and then fight the other side. Like cable news, social media, they have a tendency to exasperate these tendencies. But they're, they're nothing new. People have been picking sides and fighting the other team since Cain and Abel. Which is what makes this shoot of Jesse so incredible. In the midst of all our tendencies toward tribalism, he is going to bring peace. going to bring peace from among the nations. The nations together will have peace. But not only does this shoot bring peace among people groups, this shoot, maybe even more importantly, come to bring peace between God and man. Like our, our greatest need is not ultimately to have peace with other humans. Our greatest need is to have peace with God. Like our sin has made us an enemy of God. Our sin is a declaration of war against the king of the universe. And that king is right and he's just to hold us responsible for our sin. Just like Israel in Isaiah's time, like we deserve judgment. But this shoot of Jesse that Isaiah promises here comes to solve that problem as well. Like in Romans 5.1 we read, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Like, it's not clear. Make it clear. Like, Jesus is the shoot of Jesse that Isaiah talked about here in Isaiah chapter 11. He is the one right, who makes possible both peace with God and peace with our fellow man. Like he made peace with God possible through his sinless life and his death on the cross, in which he paid the penalty that we deserve for our sin. And so like this Advent season, especially this second week of Advent, where we kind of focus on peace, we want to take time to remember how Jesus made peace with God possible for each one of us. Through His death on the cross, His burial, His resurrection, He died in our place. He suffered the punishment we deserve for our sins so we could have peace with God. And if you're here, you're watching, and you've never experienced that peace. Maybe you feel right now this tension inside you as you know you've rebelled against God. You don't have that peace. That you this morning... I just invite you to, to trust in Jesus. To place your faith in Him. So that, Paul says in that verse we just read that you can be justified, that you can be forgiven, that you can be at peace with God. If you have questions about what that means, I'd be more than happy to talk with you about it. But for those of us who are who are here who have experienced that peace with God, we have to admit that we still haven't experienced like the full scope of the peace that this passage is talking about. Like we're still in a, living in a world where not everyone is that peace. Like we are still waiting. And the reason we're waiting is that, like we talked about last week, we're in this stage of living between two advents. At a First coming, Jesus came and He lived this and this life and He made possible peace with God. But the full peace that's promised here in Isaiah 11 will not fully come until the second advent, until the second coming of Jesus. But when Jesus does come that second time, then what we read in Revelation 7, 9 and 10 will finally come true. In Revelation 7, John's given this vision of what life will be like after the second coming of Jesus. And this is what we read. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So John, in this vision, he sees people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, and they're unified together around the throne. And they're unified in their praise of the Savior. And that day is coming. The day where we have Perfect peace among all God's people. People from every nation and tribe and tongue will be at peace together as they worship the Savior. But until that day comes, we're in this period of waiting. Like we must wait for that second coming. And the question becomes like, what do we do while we wait? There's like two things we can say we do while we wait. One, we can be agents of advancing that peace. Even though full peace will not be fully possible until Jesus comes again, we are still called to be peacemakers and to live at peace with those around us as much as it depends on us. As we live our lives, be about two things. First, about telling people who don't know this peace with God about the peace with God that's available to them. And then second, to be, seek to be peacemaker, to live at peace with the people around us and to bring peace. So while we wait, we seek to advance a peace that comes from God. And the second response, while we wait the second coming is to praise God Isaiah 12 right after what we read this morning we see this song of praise Isaiah 12 we read this in that day you will say I will praise you Lord although you were angry with me your anger has turned away and you have comforted me Surely, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord Himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day, you will say, Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim His name. Make known among the nations what he has done and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Isaiah tells people of Israel. the proper response for what God has done for them in sending the root of the root of the shoot from the root of Jesse is in is sending the proper response for God sending Jesus is praise. The way we respond to what God has done for us in Jesus is to praise him. That as it says Although God was angry with us, His anger has been turned away and we have been comforted. So as we go through this Advent season, as we reflect on all that Jesus does for us, all that God did for us in sending Jesus, we think about the peace that He offered us with God and the peace that He will one day bring between all mankind. Would our overflowing of our heart, would it be all about bringing Him praise? Yes, there are hard things in the world still. But God's in the process of making them right. So would we praise Him for that. Let's pray. Father God, we... I just want to praise You this morning. Praise You that You are our salvation. That even though we have sinned, even though we were Your enemies, that You sent Jesus to come and live a sinless life, to die on a cross on our behalf. That through faith in Him, we can have peace with You. God, it can be so easy to take that for granted, to just say those words and to not truly reflect on them, not truly appreciate all that's wrapped up in them, but especially in this season. We approach the celebration of the birth of your Son. Would you help us to just feel in a new and fresh way what a great, great, great gift Jesus is. Help us to comprehend how hopeless we are without Him. but to feel the weight of our sin and move us to repentance and move us to thanksgiving for the fact that Jesus already dealt with our sin. And would this not just be mere words would it be the overflow of our heart we praise you this advent season praise all in Jesus name amen as we go from here would we go praising God for all that he's done for us in Jesus you are dismissed